This episode is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad. Enjoy! It is the Chicagoverse podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists and industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black. Welcome to Chicago. Right on. Charles Adler, uh, thank you so much for coming up tonight. Yeah, totally. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So we're broadcasting here from Virgin Hotel on a Sunday night, and it's just, it's a real chill night. It's kind of like... No one here at the Commons Club. It's everything's very low key. It's cool. Yeah. So, all right. And there's so much you were, you guys were, you and Tara were talking about earlier that I wanted to jump in on. It was all like good and meaty stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, that's what I love to, about doing this is like getting like two or three mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, creatives who might be disparate on paper. Yeah. Like your background is is in all the things we're going to talk about and Tara's and like journalism and, and all these things. But then you kind of get everybody in the room. And a lot of things are universal. A lot of oh, yeah, totally. like stories about like how to get started, like how to keep going, all these things. Like it doesn't really matter if you're a rapper, if you're a producer, if you're whatever. Totally. They're they're very universal. Yep. So all right, we have. I think there's some really cool things that we can talk about with you. I think there's the big thing that everybody knows about you, which is the Kickstarter thing. So we'll touch on that. I don't want to like have to dwell on it because you have a, a lot more current projects happening. But let's again start at the beginning, like. How did your creative journey kind of start? Wherever you want to identify Oof. that as. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess the, the thing that I commonly talk about is um, as a kid, so I grew up on the East Coast, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and as a kid, somehow I stumbled into the idea of wanting to become an architect. Um, and when it came time to decide on where to study architecture created quite a kind of fervent debate between my father and I, uh, and I lost that debate. (laughs) Uh, And I ended up going into engineering school, which was just a turn of many. Um, But I guess, you know, I guess the start of it was, um, was architecture. But I think one thing that I'd, I'd play on with, with, Tara's commentary about her own like work and life was poetry, oddly, mm-hmm. which may not be something that I've actually talked about too often. So I would commonly in high school sit in the library and read actually old white men, typically, <laughs> right? Uh, Allen Ginsberg, Robert Frost, um, Kerouac was, was a big interest of mine. And I would argue like a lot of that time in the library led me into... Suppose maybe the, the transition would be like the poetry of architecture, or the poetry of the built environment, or the poetry of design. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So architecture. How about that? Interesting. Yeah. And so it's it's interesting because I think if somebody didn't know you, they would just see Kickstarter and they'd be like, "Oh, some Silicon Valley tech guy." Right. Yeah. No, and no, they wouldn't. No, I don't totally. think they'd plug poetry and architecture into that narrative. Yeah. Um, I mean, for one, so when we founded Kickstarter, actually a, 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 a part of that story that isn't commonly known is we were totally spread out around the country, mm-hmm. uh, but we were founded in New York. Um, and the impetus behind uh, the platform was New Orleans. So like culturally very different from Palo Alto, Silicon right, Valley, right. right? Like excessively different. Um, <laughs> I would say New Orleans is about as different from Palo Alto close. as you can get. Pretty close, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, so yeah. Um, yeah, we weren't the sort of traditional kind of Silicon Valley kind of story, if you right. will. But, yeah. So, you know, you had 
an enormous role in uh, the activation and development of Kickstarter, yeah. and that was definitely a part of your story. The work that you're doing now, and we and we can touch on Kickstarter if you want, but the work you're doing now is around Lost Arts, yep. which is a maker space in Chicago. Uh, it's in Goose Island, and that activated in 2015 as a pop-up, and then in 2016 in its current incarnation, right? Yeah. So, so you know, I, I tend to look at everything that we do as a bit of an experiment. Mm-hmm. So Kickstarter was a social experiment. Twitter, all these things we play with now that we talk a lot about are effectively social experiments. It's the idea that somebody had um, come up with while being confronted with a wall, some mm-hmm. barrier. Um, and so with Lost Arts, it was kind of accepting a lot of that. Uh, and very explicitly, going back to the kind of your comment about the 2015 versus 2016 piece, 2015 was a one-month pop-up right. um, intended to kind of play with and get a better understanding of the, the, the cultural need for a um, multidisciplinary, multicultural space, right? Um, use the term makerspace. I think that's right. kind of part of it. Um, but I'm actually looking for something much broader than that. It's sort of taking the best parts of that maker culture, maker space, taking a lot of what I would say is um, kind of oriented towards more of a, like a social space or civic space as well as this kind of technology space. Um, and, uh, and so that was this one month little very exhausting, uh, emotionally draining, but really fervent moment. And uh, about a year and a half later, opened up the 2016 version. And that was also supposed to be temporary. It was, mm-hmm. That was supposed to be six months. And really the uh, intention behind that version was um, to understand would anybody pay for this thing, right? And then how do you run this thing? Right. So in a month, you're not really going to get a sense of like how do you operate this thing as a business per se. I just wanted to get a sense of do people show up? Like, was my thesis, was my idea, um, was this thing that I was kind of hunting for um, interesting to others? And that was a closed network, so I had only invited, say, 60 people from different disciplines from around the city, musicians and um, painters and engineers and uh, designers and so entrepreneurs and so forth. And... Um, and so 2016, we were supposed to end uh, literally on the 31st of December. And um, by virtue of it going as well as it has, we decided to keep it open and keep kind of playing with the experiment and playing further with what this thing could be. Yeah. So, okay. So, I mean, that's really interesting. Let's I want, we'll pick apart a couple things there. Um, do you remember your mindset kind of like at the end of that first month in 15 and then even like hmm. at the end of the year in 2016, like both times where you were either bringing it to a close or you thought you were going to be bringing it to a close. Like, yeah. what was your evaluation mindset at that, at those points? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the word evaluation cause I tend not to be an overly analytical dude, but, okay. um, maybe more on the emotional side. So end of 2015, I can very distinctly remember sitting in this empty, um, boat truss, 4,000 square foot boat truss, uh, at Morgan and Hubbard no longer exists, got torn down. It's the whole reason why I was able to get in there in the first place. <laughs> and literally I just sat in there by myself, kind of taking in that moment and cried for most of the day. Um, it was an intense month. Yeah. And I didn't really, after that day, we packed up, we moved the stuff um, into a friend's office or, or um, storage facility. And um, honestly, like I went on vacation with my family after that. I took a break. 
Uh, and, you know, I think going into towards the end of, um, I would say 2016, after we'd reopened in August, the thought was more of a rolling. It wasn't kind of this explicit day um, because we were we were doing really well. We had built up this momentum, uh, word of mouth. We we very explicitly didn't want to market the space. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like we were trying to keep it underground, but I wanted to understand the sort of um, true value of what we were doing, right? To see us, there's something bigger here, uh, and so I wouldn't say there was an explicit moment. Uh, and I quite frankly, um, with the insanity of running another startup or creative project Mm -hmm. um, haven't really had a moment to sit and pause uh, to be completely honest with you Uh, and so I I don't know what that reflection would be no but I mean I think that's interesting and it's like obviously it did work well enough in 2015 to keep it going and then it worked well enough to you know continue past that December 31st date so now we're the beginning of April 2017 and is it just now kind of an open ended thing where you're going to see where it takes you or no, I mean, there's always been a very explicit goal with mm-hmm. this whole thing. Um, so, I mean, maybe I'll pull you back to the genesis of this this recent project. Um, actually, has origins in Chicago. So, um, maybe similar to Tara's story earlier, um, I tend to maybe this is a word that she wants to take on is uh, the term flaneur. Uh, so. Um, Realize that I'm a bit of this this definition, which is to say, um, travel a lot. Travel is a, a very critical part of my being, mm-hmm. uh, and a flaneur is somebody who basically traverses a city and is just looking and observing, right? Uh, and so I, I guess I do that in a number of different cities, and so um, the the moment in that sort of genesis period where I kind of stumbled across my wall that led to this experiment was about 15 years ago. It was back in 2001. And um, I wanted to build a piece of furniture, which if you're curious why, I have no business building furniture because <laughs> my whole background, 25 years or so, has been design and programming on the internet, playing with technology and, and design. And um, But I wanted to build this piece of furniture and... Um, I had no skill, no network, and no tools. And quite frankly, no space. It was a small apartment in Chicago. So I'll just minor details. Yeah, minor details. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is this guy going to do? <laughs> and, um, and so um, still determined to make this thing, uh, I used my father-in-law's tools in the suburbs and um, made a complete disaster out of this piece of beautiful veneered uh, plywood Uh, and to this day that thing has never been built but it was that little moment that I kind of carried with me over the past 15 years and um, when it was time to leave Kickstarter thinking about WTF like what the heck am I going to do afterwards and um, this idea kind of kept resident and the um issue that I recognized in 2013 to 2015, effectively, that I was dealing with in 2001 was, like I said, lack of space, but more so like this lack of 
network to other creatives that had this kind of visceral connection to the built world, mm-hmm. right? I've been building stuff and designing stuff on the internet, virtual world. Uh, and, um, and I would say also recognizing the fact that on the internet, we've democratized effectively, well, I won't say everything, because mm-hmm. there's still plenty to do, um, but much. Right, right. right. And, um, and Kickstarter being sort of the capital component to that, I suppose. But the, the, one of the components that kind of sat with me was this idea of the democratization of knowledge or bartership of knowledge, right? This sort of sharing of knowledge between one another. And there wasn't really something that fit into the program of academia, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I suppose all of these things kind of together were part of that experiment in 2015 and then leading into this 2016 experiment. But the sort of end goal with this thing is I'm not generally just interested in solving a Chicago problem. Right. That was part of the intention with the 2015 thing, which, which was to see, like, hey, is there something here? But with this kind of flaneur story, um, this idea over the last three, four, or five years of my life traveling around the world and looking at other creative spaces, recognizing that there's still a gap, mm-hmm. right? Um, you can argue maybe this is a business mindset, but I would argue more so for me personally is more of a cultural mindset. There was something missing, um, and I wanted to see if what was in my head was going to fill it. So that was 2015. Um, and I would say that the process by which I'm going through 2015, 2016, now into 2017, is um, all in an effort to um, get to a point where we can actually roll this out, this concept out, um, nationally, uh, if we're lucky enough, internationally. That'd be amazing. And so what... I'll cross my fingers. Yeah. Yeah. Something that I have observed, I mean, I I visited the space once, but I'm aware of it, and I I recognize the the model. You came out to one of our parties, which is a very different kind of thing, but yeah. But it's clear just from everything about it that it's like this is a maker's space, Mm -hmm. you know, and everything that comes with it. And I think it's worth noting that it's different from a lot of the, you know, like, I don't have to tell you, Incubators are very like in right now in Chicago. Sure. Yep. Everywhere there are incubators. Yep. Right. And like, and then there's the the well known ones, and then it kind of scales down from there. And and there's co working spaces, etc. Totally. And a lot of and this is nothing against them. A lot of them kind of circle the same purpose and the same model. You know, you sit there with a laptop, you work whether it's in a big open space with a bunch of people or you have a private room, but you're working with a laptop. That's yep. the that's the general beginning and end of it. Yep. And what's interesting about Lost Arts is like there's there's 3D printing, there's tools, there's like you can actually do things with your hand other than type. Talk but about you like, can include the typing thing. But you can yeah. include the typing, but that that's not like where it starts and ends. Yeah. So you know, I guess what I would say for me, um, I'm not going to f- um, kind of throw off the last 25 years or 30 some odd years of my fascination with technology, but at the same time. Um, you know, I think the thread for me my entire life has been just really fascinated with the creative act. I'd say I consider myself creative, not an artist, but I'm, mm. like, deeply interested in that, the artistic act. Uh, and um, I think my whole drive with Kickstarter in those dark moments when you don't know if this thing's actually going to become a thing... Um, was spirited on by that kind of childhood fascination with creativity and that kind of artist drive. Right. Um, 
ensuring that creatives can get their voice out there. And so for me, I would say like the, the tools you mentioned, so we can run through the laundry list of them from like, we have a studio space, which I guess you would commonly describe as a co-working space, mm-hmm. like studio better, uh, expresses a little bit more of what we're intending. Uh, prototyping lab, which is um, commonly seen either in, um, in a use for um, concepting creative works. And so I, I generally use creative work as a description of both like a design and technology um, facet as well as art. Um, so we have 3D printers. We see artists using them as much as we see product designers using them. Mm-hmm. Right? We have a laser cutter, uh, same thing. We have a table saw in the back, same thing. Uh, and so this, the sequence of spaces, I would say, is the culmination of what the intention is, um, which is different slightly than a makerspace or different slightly than a, an incubator or right. a residency or a co-working space or a social space. So... Uh, sort of a lounge space, the studio space, prototyping lab, workshop, and then event space. Uh, and what I would say is the thing that draws that all together is that creativity and providing different facilities for that creative expression, right? Whether that be designing it or concepting it or communicating about it in the studio space to concepting it uh, in that prototyping lab and building it in the workshop and then actually showcasing it in the event space. Right. Right. Like it's that, I don't want to say it's explicit, but it's providing all those facilities for the creative individual. Well, and something, you know, and you mentioned this, but like you are looking at, and I think it's already happening, Mm. like activating like workshops, classes, like these kind of like live events where it's not just people coming in and working on their own, but it's like, you're building that community dialogue there as well, right? Yeah, totally. So we, um, we've we done fashion workshops. Um, we've done a few music workshops um, and music events. So beyond this, like the party, we've um, we've done this thing, uh, collaborated with this group called On The Spot, or mm-hmm. Modular On The Spot, uh, which are basically um, a bunch of folks in the city that are really interested in modular synthesizers. Uh, and had a showcase uh, for them to sewing workshops, to 3D printing workshops. So basically like teaching kind of the fundamentals of these tools to make them more accessible. Uh, And then going to the other extent, which is, um, I would say, playing more in this sort of inspiration space. Mm -hmm. So on Friday, this past Friday, we hosted um, the opening of an exhibit, month-long exhibit that we're doing in collaboration with the Chicago Design Museum. Uh, called Great Ideas, uh, which we had some members participate in, and they had curated some member, um, some community members in the design world to participate in. And then on Tuesday night, we've got a, a talk in collaboration with the Illinois Institute of Technology's ID program. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. which is um, really great guy. This guy, uh, Robert Fabricant, who they're bringing in from New York to um, give a talk about design thinking in the sort of social entrepreneurial space. So I would say at the, maybe the core of it is more rooted in kind of the practice of design, which I would say is this bridge between um, art and commerce. Nice. Yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't sure if you were finished, that's why. So, yeah, that's all right. Um, Something you said in an interview uh, last end of last summer that really stuck out to me. Uh, it's from Chicago Inno. The article is called "Go Inside the Center for Lost Arts: Co-working for the Accidental Entrepreneur." Yeah. Um, the article 
is uh, the article is quoted as saying, though Adler has been based in Chicago for several years in the future, you'd like to see Center of the Law starts spread across the country, like you talked about. Yeah. Uh, he said Chicago, however, feels like the right place to start. Uh, and then it quotes you saying, we're going through this beautiful renaissance where we're excited about creatives and creative work. Hmm. Uh, whether it's food, coffee, beer, furniture, graphic design, or startups, all that stuff is happening. The city is economically strong, but real estate-wise, fairly cheap. I can have the funding I want to have. Um, and that stuck out to me because I, I really identify with that kind of idea where it's like Chicago is obviously going through this renaissance. Everyone knows that. But it's a lot cheaper to live and launch here than it is on the coast. Totally. So, oh, God, without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. Talk about kind of like the value of being in Chicago, the advantages here, what that means to you, all these kind of things. Yeah. Um, so I should know that when I, so I dropped out of college. And when I dropped out of college, I moved up to Chicago. And that was in the mid-90s. Okay. Um, and so this was like the... I don't know, depending on whoever's timeline, like middle or tail end of the rave scene. Okay. Uh, right? And, and you know, like my roots, I would say, is in electronic music to punk rock uh, and probably everything in between. And um, Chicago's got a deep history in all of that. Well, sure. Right? Yeah. And, um, and so this renaissance that I mentioned in the article, I think, is... is Maybe fair, maybe unfair. I would say that what's happening now is that creative culture has this in, really interesting opportunity because there's notice to that creative right. culture, yeah. right? Like that, com- those communities, those various communities, right? Um, and I think the opportunity is to own the potential of that creative act Right? So whether you're a musician, whether you're a designer, whether you're uh, a painter or a sculptor, um, I think, and maybe even more so, I don't want to get too political, but maybe in the current climate that we're in, um, I think we're hungry for uh, expression right? With, yeah. with a point of view. Yeah, that means something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I think... Um, it is that creative community that I would argue provides that, right? And there are all these mechanisms out there, say on the internet, uh, built on technology that have effectively provided that, right? So you think about things as small as Square, right? It's right. a payment system, right. to Kickstarter, to Etsy, to even Instagram. Like I know right. tons of folks that have started, accidentally started a business through the sharing of like a very innocent photograph. And yeah. so I think Chicago kind of bears a lot of that as well, which is it's an excessively creative city. Right. Right. That, and this is my own personal view on the city, uh, hasn't, it's always been very underground. Right. And I think there's this moment right now where that sort of underground can kind of pop up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And own it. Right. themselves. And I think that's, when I say renaissance in this Inno article, I think that's a lot of what I'm talking about, right? Which is effectively um, not necessarily as a creative um, leaning on somebody else to handle the um, economic potential of your creativity. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it, it's such an exciting time and, and I think you nailed it. It's like we are having a moment and you're right, like there is that recognition that that hasn't always existed. The culture, there's always been art and culture in Chicago, totally. but it hasn't always been validated in the way that it is right now. Yeah. So 
Lost Arts, for the time being, at this moment in time, it's open. It's yeah. active. Yeah. Um, until further notice. Yeah. So if somebody wanted to get involved, how can they do that? Or what would the kind of ideal artist, creator, et cetera, look like? Or not look like, but like, who would that be? Like, who is this best suited to? Yeah, so... Um so simply, like, it is a physical space, which for me is kind of trippy to talk about. Um, so it's at 1001 North North Branch. Mm-hmm. Um, Goose Island. On Goose Island, yeah, yeah, which is like a little man-made island in the middle of the city, uh, which is kind of rad. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, you can swing by. You can go to the website, lostarts.co, uh, and check it out. Shoot us an email, swing by. I guess in terms of that, that question about the ideal person i think it's uh, less so about a, a discipline mm-hmm. and more so about an interest in being uh in a space with multiple disciplines right like i described we've got so there's this one little stretch of wall that's a really good expression of this uh on one uh end of it is uh, a duo jack and seth who work on this project uh called wabash lights ironically oh, yeah. we're right down yeah. the street right, right down the street so and that's a really cool, innovative project. Totally amazing. Uh, so art tech uh, civic project uh, that's incubating out of the space. Um, they're developing an app that allows you to engage with this um, stretch of lights that would that's run. Awesome. Yeah, it's totally amazing. So so you've got them on, on one stretch of wall and about six inches away uh, is this woman, Pam, who's a painter. Uh, and then about six inches away from there is a stretch of 3D printers, which, you know, we've got, like I said, artists and product designers working on prototyping anything from uh, glassware to um, footwear to um, facets of a um, product that's in the, what I would say is urban organic agriculture. So mm-hmm. a guy who's growing mushrooms and a, developing a kit to grow mushrooms. Um, so it's this like, Super weird crew of people, uh, and I would say like that's what I'm gunning for. Yeah, and it sounds like the third line is just having an, a great idea and passion. Yeah, and a I, unique point of view. Totally. Yeah, that's yep. awesome. Uh, the website is lostarts.co. People can find there. Can they sign up for a membership there? Yeah, you can sign up for a membership. Uh, you can hit us up. You can follow us on the Twitters and the Instagrams all and things. all that from from the website. So yeah. awesome. Yeah. I, I say this to everybody, and I always mean it. Like, the mic is on for you. Let's continue this conversation as new developments happen. Um, I would definitely want to make it out to more events at Lost Arts. And, like, really, as things are developing with this, let us know, and we'll set up more conversation. Man. Cool, I man. love it. Yeah, thanks for having me out. Uh, Charles Adler, thank you so much for coming up, man. Appreciate cool. it. Thanks. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcast. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, Dynasty Descend.